the leaks are real, the news is fake. Boy, if you didn't catch that press conference today, we're going to break it down for you. What, what you need to know, what actually happened, and then today is the special edition of polling. Stay tuned for all the latest polls and Harvey Levin's joining us from TMZ in a great interview. All that and more coming up on this episode of The Thomas Guide. This is The Thomas Guide, your roadmap for navigating the world. With your guide, John Thomas, political savant, world-class analyst, and culture critic. No need to Google directions. Just buckle up and enjoy the ride. This is The Thomas Guide with your host, John Thomas. Welcome back. So Trump held a press conference today where he where he announced his replacement labor uh, cabinet pick because unfortunately his original nomination uh, did not work out. He wasn't vetted properly. It was a real screw up by the Trump administration, so much so that even his own Republican Party had to abandon him on that issue. So, of course, Trump within 24 hours has a ba- has a replacement who looks, at least at the surface of things, uh, to be quite good and will likely get confirmed. But that was why I watched the press conference at first, but it quickly turned into, I think, one of the most spectacularly interesting press conferences I've ever seen. It's It was a combination of some news and a massive dose of entertainment. Um, let's start with, we've got a, a clip. Can we roll clip one? As you know, our administration inherited many problems across government and across the economy. To be honest, I inherited a mess. It's a mess. At home and abroad, a mess. Jobs are pouring out of the country. You see what's going on with all of the companies leaving our country, going to Mexico and other places. Low pay, low wages, mass instability overseas, no matter where you look. The Middle East, a disaster. North Korea, we'll take care of it, folks. We're going to take care of it all. I just want to let you know, I inherited a mess. He's right. He did. Uh, President Obama, over the last eight years, handed President Trump a heaping pile of shit to deal with. Um, and he's 100% right, and President Trump is now having to unwind the tangled mess that Obama handed him. Uh, it's not easy. It's complicated. And um, I wish our President Trump the best of luck in this process. And that's kind of what he's starting to say is, don't come down on me for the complications of the world and the sagging economy Um, and all the regulations that are suffocating businesses and the high taxes. I'm trying to fix it. He's right. He's also right, and what he didn't say here, but he should have, is that President Trump has to, as it relates to foreign policy, has to retrain both our allies and our enemies as to how the United States is to be viewed and to be treated. Um, And that's not an easy thing because they've become so comfortable to the United States being being a lapdog for the rest of the world. Um, that's why you saw last week when Iran was testing the administration by firing uh, test missiles, uh, Trump immediately uh, came out and put them on notice. And a bunch of people said, well, what does that mean? Well, he had to say something, and he didn't want to fire missiles back. Uh, but he had to let them know that you can't push around the United States, and we will not tolerate um, terrorism and misbehavior. So that's what he's talking about there. Uh, The other thing I thought was refreshing about the press conference, uh, you may not like his style, but what's interesting about Donald Trump, and I think what attracts Donald Trump to so many people, is that Donald Trump is the same person on Howard Stern as he is on Meet the Press. Uh, uh, You know, he's the same person on, on essentially The Apprentice in a scripted reality show as he is in a press conference. And that is refreshing. Um, there are a couple memorable lines uh, I want to go through where he talk, he, he says about the, the leaks from the White House. He says, the leaks are real. 
The news is fake. <laughs> Very catchy. Uh, but he's right in the sense of, and this is where we need to sort out this whole fake news stuff. I know a lot of people say, oh, uh, fake news uh, isn't real. Um, there, there's no such thing as fake news from the mainstream media. Well, in a sense, that's right. CNN and Fox News and others largely are accurate in the facts that they report. But here's where they're not accurate. Is when the Mike, General Michael Flynn resignation story broke on, on Wednesday. The media, of course, reported that. But then they were getting into the speculation game about what General Flynn said to the Russian ambassador, what deals were struck, and what that might mean. Well, now all of a sudden you're doing a character assassination of General Flynn and uh, as well as hurting the Trump administration. And that's where it gets fake because a reporter should just report what they know to be true, and that's it. Um, it's... Uh, Let's let's roll the next clip uh, Trump had to say about his administration. I turn on the TV, open the newspapers, and I see stories of chaos. Chaos. Yet it is the exact opposite. This administration is running like a fine-tuned machine, despite the fact that I can't get my cabinet approved and they're outstanding people. Like a fine-tuned machine. Uh, I don't know if I'd go that far. Uh, there, there have been some bumpy things done. Is he getting a lot done? Yes. Uh, is he different uh, in how he runs his organization than other administrations? Yes. Um, but a fine-tuned machine, I wouldn't go that far. But, uh, you know, look, the president's got to put his own spin. All politicians do that. This, this isn't something to get worked up about. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you expect the guy to say, you know? Um, so I like polls, um, and one of the things I do, I write polls for a living for my political clients uh, and corporate clients. Uh, I dissect the polls. I analyze them. I write strategic roadmaps. And so what I want, I want to continually do on the show, and what we're going to do today is I pulled a bunch of polls. I'm going to tell you what they said and what they mean, what the real takeaways are. So let's just roll through these super quickly. There's a poll. Uh, Politico did a poll this week uh, where they asked – um, a, a hypothetical, uh, they will, first of all, they did a generic stack up of if Trump, if you had an opportunity to vote for Trump or a generic Democrat, who would you vote for in that stack up, uh, 43% of voters said that they'd support a generic Democrat over Donald Trump in 2020, while 35% voted for Trump. Now uh, that should give Trump a little bit of cause for concern, but not really because they're just putting a generic Democrat. It's uh, um, it's not surprising given that Trump is not in the 80s of approval. But here's where the real nugget of truth is in this poll. It's a follow-up question. When they said, in a hypothetical matchup be between Elizabeth uh, Pocahontas Warren and Donald Trump, who would you vote for in 2020? In that matchup, Donald Trump beats Pocahontas 42 to 36. That's a really impressive margin for Trump, whose approval ratings are getting better, but not great, uh, against Elizabeth Warren, who really isn't carrying a lot of negatives. So why does he beat Elizabeth Warren? I'll tell you why. Because Elizabeth Warren is representative of the far left of her base, which is where the party is shifting. And this should serve as a serious warning for Democrats that the further to the left they move, and make no mistake about it, I said this last week on the show, that the Democrats are becoming the party of open borders and pro-refugee and pro-non-American citizens, leaving a lane wide open for Donald Trump to, be, to own the pro-American mantra. If they continue down that road, they will lose in 2020, whether it's Pocahontas or Cory Booker, the brand of the Democratic Party will be anti-American and it'll cost them the election. Next poll this week, uh, Rasmussen has a daily presidential tracking poll. It tracks it every single day. Today, it's the, Trump has hit an all-time high at 50% of likely voters approving of Trump's job performance, 45% disapprove. 
okay, this is a huge shift. Before he took office, right after he won the the, uh, the presidency, before he was sworn in, he was in the high 20s. Now he's at 55%. Now here's a key statistic to look at in this poll and why there are some, the Rasmussen polls, uh, they're called uh, robo-polls. They, they dial your house and it's a robot that answer, a robot comes on the phone, you press one for Trump, press two for, you know, whoever. Uh, so there are a little some flaws, but here's where they get it right. They measure likely U.S. voters in this poll. A lot of the polls you see on the news will say match. If you look at the bottom, they'll say they surveyed 1,000 voters, 500 500 people, 1,000 people. The key here is did they ask stack to the U.S. Census? Did they ask to total registered voters or likely voters? The likely is key. I don't care what every American thinks because every American is not likely to cast a ballot in 2020. I want to know your best crack at what a likely model looks like. And in that case, Donald Trump gets reelected. He's doing well. Um, the other fascinating question was they asked people, voters, uh, do you think that the media and reporters are biased against the president? 48%, nearly half of voters thought that reporters and the media are biased against the president. Only 12% think they're biased for Trump, and 31% feel that most reporters try to be fair and balanced. Uh, As you would imagine, this largely breaks down by partisan lines, except for um, most folks do admit that reporters are biased in some fashion. Um, this was fascinating. Uh, the question was asked, do voters think that U.S. intelligence agencies have their own political agenda and are trying to drive their own political agenda? 47% of likely voters believe that our intelligence agencies have a political agenda. 39% disagree, 15% are undecided. That 47% is massive. And as we start to see these leaks coming out of the administration, um, it gives, if you're Trump and you're his administration and you want to pick, fight a war, a, uh, a publicity war over the leaks, feeding into that 47% of voters and Americans who believe that politics might be at play with some of these leaks is a smart strategic way to go. Um, the other interesting thing was 58% of voters felt that our intelligence agencies like the CIA and NSA are doing a good or excellent job. Only 12% say they're doing a poor job. So while people don't think that um, the intelligence agencies are doing a bad job, they do think that they might have their own political agenda to, to beat up Trump. Um, fascinating stuff as this, as this storyline evolves, particularly with the leaks. Uh, speaking of leaks... The Wall Street Journal published a piece this week saying that our intelligence agencies are keeping intelligence from Donald Trump in their briefings. This is a massive story that in the daily presidential security briefing, that President Trump is not hearing all of the facts because the intelligence agencies are saying they don't trust the president. Well, here's the deal. They work for the president. I don't care if they don't trust the president. That's not their call. They have to report all the facts to the president and let him decide what he wants to do with that. If he is boneheaded and makes mistakes, so be it. It was the will of the voters to give him that power. Having bureaucrats out of our intelligence agencies make these decisions is a major mistake And I hope that Trump gets his people in immediately because it can cause Trump not only perhaps to make bad intelligence uh, decisions, but also when he speaks to the press, he can sound like a buffoon if he's saying something they did like about Michael Flynn and what exactly our agencies knew and what conversations he had. Uh, This is very, very, very dangerous. One thing I did want to say about the Michael Flynn story is – Trump made the right call to fire Flynn. 
the fact that Flynn embarrassed uh, Vice President Pence is grounds for firing. No questions asked. Get out of here. 100% right, right decision. Did Michael Flynn break the law by having a conversation with the Russian ambassador? No. What did they talk about? I don't know. Uh, and the point is, neither does the media. And so we shouldn't be speculating about that until a full investigation has been conducted. And it looks like Congress will do it. But here's the bigger concern. Is the leaks that are coming from the NSA. Now, uh, you're going to hear liberals on CNN and, and elsewhere say that, well, you know, you're so hypocritical, John, because you were pro-leak when it came to WikiLeaks and Clinton, and you're anti-leak when it comes to Trump. You're just protecting your guy. It's actually not. The difference was WikiLeaks were leaks that WikiLeaks was Hillary Clinton's private mismanaging of her private email server that was hacked by a foreign government. This is our own government, our own civil servants leaking classified information on the home on the home front. Big difference much different ramifications. It's not an apples and apples comparison. WikiLeaks, uh, speaking of WikiLeaks, released a document just today showing that in 2012, the CIA was spying on French presidential candidates uh, to gather information uh, regarding the candidates' political strategies and internal communications, viability, um, sources of money, and what's interesting about this document, first of all, it looks like President Obama authorized espionage into another company's election, another country's elections, which might put him in hypocritical position when he talked about WikiLeaks as it related to Russia as it related to our elections. But the next question is, did he authorize the CIA to do anything to influence the candidates? of their choice. If he, if Barack Obama did that, this is a massive bombshell and gives him zero credibility when talking about Russia and what they did to us in this last election. There's a, a story that I've just got to go through. <laughs> We've all heard of Tinder and um, plenty of fish and all these online dating sites. There is a site uh, called Trump Singles dot com uh, where <laughs> they say they're making dating great again. Uh, it's basically if you're a pro Trump supporter, you go on there and sign up. It's like a match dot com and everyone on it is supposedly pro Trump. You know what I find fascinating besides the fact that Trump singles has over 25,000 members since it launched in June is that, you know, you hear of all these couples breaking up because of politics. And let me tell you, uh, Politics and religion, if you if you and your spouse or you and your girlfriend or boyfriend are not synced up on that, that issue, it's not going to end well. So I, I think Trump singles is, is great. Hillary Clinton, we've got this clip. She she was giving a, uh, a speech in New York, or she was actually, no, she was at a performance on the Sunset Boulevard, and she was greeted with this. Can we roll the clip? feels like uh, it feels like New Yorkers might be trying to push her to run for mayor. Now, here's why I, I wanted to roll the clip. Uh, it's relevant because not just about Hillary Clinton, but all candidates in general tend to surround themselves with people who like them. They surround themselves in an echo chamber. And when a candidate uh, or someone is trying to decide whether or not they should be a candidate or run for office, you really have to think hard and give yourself an honest assessment of whether or not you should run because that's liberal Broadway. No surprise they like her. But does that mean that she should be running for office again? She's lost twice for the highest office in the land. 
in my opinion, she's done. She she shot her political capital. It's over right off into the sunset. But Hillary is surrounding herself with a bunch of sycophants. Um, and I would just advise Hillary, if she's watching the show, don't do it. <laughs> don't give in to the applause. Because by and large, you aren't liked and uh, you've created so many political enemies that it's not going to end well, even if you could manage to win the office. So we've got a real special treat now. A friend of the show, uh, Peggy Grandy's on the line. And uh, Peggy uh, was the personal assistant for over 10 years to President Ronald Reagan. No one knows, other than perhaps Nancy Reagan, no one knows President Reagan better than Peggy Grandy. So, uh, Peggy, can you hear me? I can. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great. So you've got a new book out. Uh, it's called The President Will See You Now. Can you tell me a bit about the yes. book? Sure. It's actually not out until Tuesday the 21st, so we're ah. just a couple of days from launch. I'm very excited about it, and I just am excited to share it with people who love Ronald Reagan. Even if they don't love him politically, they're going to love him personally. It's not a political book. It's really a character sketch looking at this great man behind the scenes, what people thought and hoped that he was, I think will be on display here very vividly. And you'll get to see him through my eyes, how I saw him behind the scenes in the office, on travel every day for the 10 years I worked with him. Can you give us a sneak uh, peek of uh, g- give me one story, a behind the scenes story that just personifies President Reagan. Well, there was a graciousness with which he lived his life, and I was so privileged to be able to see that. Whether it was interacting with world leaders who would come and see him, um, from Thatcher to Gorbachev to Brian Mulroney and Prime Minister Nakasone, Mother Teresa just to the way that I would watch him interact with ordinary Americans, with everyday people who would be able to intersect his path and how he changed their lives for the better just by that moment. Um, He would look into their eyes. They felt seen. They felt valued by him. And it didn't matter who you were or what your title was. He, He gave great respect and showed value to everybody. And so that was really, really made a huge impression on me, especially as a very young person, to watch that that's how leadership at the highest and best levels can be done. And he did it time and time again. Peggy, was he the same person in private as he was in public? Or was was there ever a time that, uh, that it felt different? He was exactly the same person when the cameras were rolling as when we were privately behind the scenes with his staff in the office. And what a great example, because sometimes it's not always that way. And in fact, I would say probably the only surprise would be that even those who put Ronald Reagan on this pedestal and thought, what a great man, he was one of the few people that you kind of idolize maybe from afar that when you meet him, he's actually better in person. There's so many people that you look at and have such respect for, and then you meet them and think, hmm, they're not exactly what I thought or was right. hoping that they were. And Ronald Reagan was one of those few people you get to meet in your lifetime that actually surpasses, I think, even the highest expectations you had for who he was going to be as a person. You know, I I find it fascinating that you say that uh, because one of my observations of President Trump is that he, he well he's very consistent in the image that he projects. Um, and the, the both physical image and the style. Uh, he's. Con- mm-hmm. I was saying earlier on the show, you know, what's refreshing in a way about President Trump is that he's the same guy on. Can- uh, he's the same guy on Howard Stern that he is Meet the Press. You know, for better yeah. or for worse. He, I mean, he really is. Uh, right, but, right. But I do feel that uh, we've we've never seen President Trump laugh. And I mean, you know, really a gut-roaring laugh. And to me, that's mm-hmm. signaling that he never, you're not seeing the true self. That while he's consistent in his public appearances, I always wonder in private with his family, and he seems to have raised a good family, is President Trump the same in private as he is public? And it sounds like what you're telling me is 
President Reagan truly was that. Um, did, did you talk in, in the book at all about President Reagan's relationship that you observed with Nancy Reagan? Yes, absolutely. Um, there's so much of who Ronald Reagan was and what he was able to accomplish in life that I attribute directly to the amazing woman who was behind him all those years. And she was not only a great partner and companion for him, but truly was a supportive, behind-the-scenes type of woman who reluctantly took center stage in later years as he was you know, more and more inclined to withdraw from public life. She had to take a more prominent role, and I admired her and respected her for that because I know that wasn't something she sought out. That wasn't the place she was most comfortable. She liked to be behind that man of hers and giving him that wonderful, adoring gaze that we all know very well. Um, but she was brave and strong and really was a great champion for his legacy and a great caretaker for him um, during those last years of his life. She was a remarkable woman, and it was great to watch their relationship closely. Um, what I'm trying to think, uh, Peggy, um, do you think we'll ever experience another Reagan again? I mean, is it, um, is, I feel like because of social media and, you know, people, people just, politicians of the future have to be guarded. Uh, whereas I feel like President Reagan was able to be his true self. Do you think Reagan really is the last time we're going to see that kind of personality be able to thrive? I would hope not. <laughs> he certainly was one of a kind, but he also was the right person for the right time. And he would never have presumed that the way Ronald Reagan did things and the actions that Ronald Reagan took as president um, were a blueprint for what everybody had to follow from there on out. Times were very different. Society was very different. The economy and the world stage was very different. Social media, of course, didn't even exist in the way that we know it. You know, we had three channels that you click, click, click from, you know, by the dial um, on your TV. And it was just very different times. And so he would be the first, I bet, to say you can't superimpose what he did or the way he was onto the current times. Um, I do think that people were drawn to him because there was an authenticity about him. There was a transparency. People felt connected to him. They felt like they knew him. Uh, they felt like they knew what was important to him and what he valued. And I would like to think that those are traits that we still value in our leaders. You know, society as a whole, I think politics is kind of the, I don't know, it magnifies society as a whole. And, you know, the last political cycle was toxic and ugly and mudslinging in so many ways. But I believe that society as a whole has kind of devolved in a lot of ways and we're not as civil. It's a lot more of a bolder and craft society than it was in Ronald Reagan's day. And I'm an optimist. I think the pendulum always swings. Yes. And so, you know, the days of civility, you may, we may long for those. And maybe in the not so distant future, parents and families and schools and society will look at ourselves and say, well, you know, what have we become? And maybe we need to get back to some of these old fashioned ideas and ideals. And Ronald Reagan certainly represented those and lived them out at the highest level on the world stage. I hope you're right. Um, uh, Peggy, Pe <laughs> Peggy, the optimist. yes. Uh, where, where can we find your book? Hope you can find it anywhere online right now. It's available for pre-order. It will be in bookstores anywhere and everywhere. Can I go to Amazon? And, can I go to Amazon? You can and find go to it? Amazon, right. Barnes and Noble, a lot of the independent sites. It's available everywhere for pre-order now. And right. I think if you order it now, it can be in on your front doorstep on Tuesday, which oh. is publication date. Oh, great! And the book is called "The President Will See You Now." I encourage <laughs> everybody to go out and buy a copy. Um, I imagine it's good for a gift as well, right, to people who loved Reagan and wanted those kind of stories. Absolutely. It's really a feel-good book in so many ways. It's a character study. It's a look at this man. It's got a lot of behind-the-scenes stories. It's got some never-before-seen photographs. I actually i am very fond of the cover because the cover photo is my favorite photo of him. I happened to snap it in his office one day. So you, Wait, you I, took this photo? I, I'm looking at a picture. I took it. Holy crap. I took the cover photo, 
And so wow. I'm really proud of that. And I think it captures him just with the warmth and the charm of those post-presidency years. And it looks as if he's sitting at his desk waiting for you to walk in and meet him. And I, I hope that when you pick up the book, you will feel like you've been invited into his office and actually had a visit with him. Yeah, I mean, personal. that that picture says it all, Peggy. I, I'm impressed he took yes. it. It looks like, honestly, it looks like he uh, had a lighting kit and uh, makeup and the whole thing. So uh, you did a great, great nope, job. I walked in the office one day. He was sitting there. He always looked handsome, but I said, sir, you look especially handsome today. Do you mind if I take your picture? And in his very characteristic <laughs> Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I snapped his photo, and it, it's always did one the, of my uh, favorites. I had, did, I hung it above my desk yeah. all those years working for him, and I'm so proud and happy to have it on. I don't blame. Did, now, did uh, President Reagan have a good side? Um, they were all good. He never <laughs> took a bad photo. He he was an actor in training and never took a bad photo. So he made me look like a really good photographer. <laughs> uh, but I just had a really great subject to work with. Yeah, right. Well, Peggy, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, and best of luck with your new book. Thank you so much, John, for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Oh, bye-bye. Peggy Grandy. That was cool. Uh, the, you got to see the picture. If nothing else... Uh, the president will see you now. You got to Google that book. Um, this picture, I was looking at it and thinking, it looks like it was taken from a, an archive, you know, an official presidential photographer. But uh, good for Peggy. Uh, very, very cool. I hope I hope she succeeds. Um, coming up, we we pre-recorded this, but this is one hell of an interview. Uh, the founder of TMZ and the People's Court. And a former L.A. Talk radio host, Harvey Levin, uh, allowed us to come by his office at TMZ headquarters and really do a kind of a tell-all interview on everything from leaks in the White House to is Donald Trump good for business and really the more personal side of Harvey Levin and the day in and day out of uh, what he does. Uh, let's take a look. Let's start with my premise that TMZ has killed local news because I think TMZ is the news, and you tend to air before the afternoon news, and by, why, by the time people have consumed your product, they've heard the news. What do you think about the intersection of politics and pop culture and celebrity gossip kind of being in the same bucket these days? Well, I think it's been in the same bucket for a long time. Um, I also disagree with the premise that it's killed local news. Um, I think there have been problems with the local news because it hasn't evolved mm. from what it was 50 years ago. It basically is the same type of newscast. And I think technology has changed, taste has changed, people want change. Mm. And I think it is basically, I mean, I remember as a little kid watching the big news on Channel 2 with Jerry Dumpy right. and Maury right. Green and Bill Stout and all those people and Ralph Story. And honestly, it's, it ain't that much different. Right. And, um, and I think that it hasn't evolved nearly as much as it should. So and, that's and, the issue. And I think that's a criticism, not yeah. just of local news, but for me at least it's a criticism generally of news, that it is the same drill, the same format, the same cadence. And I think people's tastes have changed. And again, you know, Cable news has been around for decades right. now. So the idea of consuming things quickly and everything else, that's not a TMZ thing. That's mm -hmm. been going on long before TMZ, um, that people could get uh, cable news 24 hours a day. So that's not a new phenomenon. I think the internet makes it more accessible to people more quickly in more places, and it has changed everything. But you know, when you look at what's gone on just in the last 20 years, you know, from television to digital, you know, where you have websites, but then social media has changed websites. It's changed everything. And eventually I think there's going to be a merger between broadcast and digital. And honestly, I don't think there's going to be television in 10 years. Hmm. And I don't think there's going to be digital in, tw in 10 years. But there will be video. No, I think there is going to be a merger of mm -hmm. the two. You have a big television set right. in your living room. Right. And that big television set is now integrated. You can get broadcast, you can get television on it, and you can also surf the internet on it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So here's the question. If you have a remote, why would you say, okay, I'm going to now go to television, 
or, and now I'm going to go to a website. What are the two reasons you go to that screen for? There are two, only two reasons you go to that screen. What are they? Live news. No, it's bigger than that. Entertainment okay. and information. Okay. Those are the only, the only two reasons you go to that screen. Entertainment and information. So if you can then take the qualities from digital, you know, the photo galleries and the feedback and, you know, the interactivity with the slickness of broadcast and you can blend the two together so that you use best assets from both and everything that gets produced, whether it's entertainment or information, just employs the assets that make the most sense. And you have a big menu and the menu just says, okay, I'm gonna watch this, 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 and this, and you have a thousand things, and each one employs the best assets from both. There's no need for a separate television. Or it's all the same. You need the screen, yeah. but what do you need to call right. television or internet? Right. All you need is, here's screen. the entertainment and information that I wanna consume. And the great thing about it is then that everything is blended together so that I get the richest experience. So I don't think there's going to be a need for television right. as a separate thing or the internet as a separate thing. I think they're going to come. I mean, I call it intervision mm. and I think it's going to combine and I think it's got to happen in the next 10 years. We already have the technology. And I think when people start producing this way, it's going to change everything. That makes sense. And it's, it, to me, it's inevitable. It make, that makes perfect sense. You did a series on Fox news or an episode with Donald Trump. Uh, you shot it before he won, right? Um, now, I understand you offered it to Hillary Clinton as well. I did. And did they give you a reason why they turned that down? Scheduling. Too much. They had to, uh, it's what they always say. Okay. Uh, Should have done it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Bill Handel tells me you're going to be doing more of these. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, no, I can't, okay. but you'll hear about it soon. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, the, can you tell me just briefly about um, the, your transition from law to entertainment? No. I cannot tell you briefly. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, it was a... Was it a moment in time or was it a gradual It was transition? gradual. It okay. was gradual. Okay. I mean, I, you know, it started out literally as, uh, you know, I was teaching law school right. and the dean of my law school was the head of the No on Proposition 13 campaign. That was my next question. Uh, the, you were on the no side. Well, I was just a professor at the school <laughs> okay. and he came to me and he said, look, everybody that's debating Howard Jarvis is getting killed. Right. And he said, I just want you to be an advocate for us, you know, where, where, you know, you can stand up to this guy. And the good thing is, is you live in an apartment. You don't really own any real estate. You're 28 years old, so you don't have a history of anything and just debate this guy. So I started debating Jarvis. You did? Oh, for hours and really? hours and hours. We, we debated wow. from noon, from midnight to five sometimes on the radio. <laughs> and we would argue and, and, and I, we liked each other. I mean, yeah. he couldn't kill me because I, he, w he was killing everybody else by saying, well, you have a vested interest. And I didn't have any vested interest. And, you know, and, and we just argued about it. And then we started doing this dog and pony show around the state. And then when uh, he won, for some reason, KBC Radio said, you're still, you know, I like you doing law. So I was Dr. Law on KBC. Ah, and then it and was kind of born from there. But it was a long, windy road. Uh, now, on Prop 13, you know, they're talking about the split role. Do you, do you have a dog in that hunt now? I mean, would you care to abolish Prop 13? Well, look, I, I think that Howard Jarvis had some really good points that back then it, it's where people were losing their homes yeah. because they were living on you know income where they were, their income was going up 3% a year and housing prices were going up you know 20% a year and all of a sudden the property taxes started reflecting that and they couldn't afford to pay the property tax in there and they were losing their homes so that screwed up and that makes no sense and that's got to change and it did change yep. and it made sense to put a cap on it so i think he's right i mean you know is that the way to um is that the way to get revenue for the state and I, I think that the whole system needs to be looked at again but it's I, broader I, than yeah and i don't think yeah. you should penalize people who own a home and say well they must be rich so screw them right i, I just think that screw them mentality is not the way to tax seems people. like it's a third rail of politics in california these days i mean if you say repeal prop 13 in orange county you can kiss your career goodbye Right. Is, is that is that important? Well, homeowners care. I mean, it's like you repeal it, and then all of a sudden you're paying four percent property right. taxes. Add you, that you up, can't, you and can't, it's terrible. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, switching gears to TMZ, um, 
I want to get your thoughts on, uh, I imagine in, in the newsroom, you trade oftentimes on leaks, uh, leaks from within organizations. Well, everybody trades on leaks. Okay. The White House trades uh, well, on leaks. Well, what do you think about the White House leaks? Um, is that is that a good thing? Is that something Trump could even stop? Well, here's what I think about the White House leaks. Can I use some Yiddish on you? Yeah. Mani, or Hebrew, Manish Tanahalila has that. Which means, why is this night different from all the rest? <laughs> I mean, this has been going on for years and years and years. Do you think and it's worse than this administration? No. I mean, look at what happened with Richard Nixon, for crying out loud. Right. You know, they're meeting people in parking garages. But it's happened in, look, you know, the media, everybody in the media wants to get the story first. They want to get an angle right. to the story. They want to develop sources. I mean, you watch any newscast read any newspaper, read any website. It's all about, you know, they, they want to get something that, because if you have what everybody else has, why are they coming to you? Right. Why are they coming to you? They could go to a million people and maybe they'll come to you, but there's no special reason why. So that's the heat that causes people to want to break stories, mm -hmm. you know, aside from finding things that are important that nobody else has found yet. So there's nothing new about that. And is TMZ, when you guys run a story on Trump, how does it, does it do well? Do people care, your audience, do they care? Everybody cares about Trump. Huh. I mean, Trump, you know, well, look, I mean, the Fox show that I did, right. it broke ratings records, um, like 20 year ratings records. They want to see this guy hmm. and he's different. Why? Because he's just different. Uh -huh. And there is no politician who's been like him and people who embrace and love him uh, are glued to him and want to know about him and people who hate him want to watch and they're incredulous. And that's what, for, for certain, that's what, that's what the media is. Mm -hmm. The media draws people who love people and hate people. And mm -hmm. they will watch a newscast about somebody or they will read something either because they love them or they hate them. If you're neutral on somebody, you're much it's less a, likely. It's a hero and villain it's, situation, right? I mean, it's age old. And what do you think? Do you think Trump is the villain or is it just depends more about partisan breakdown? I mean, what, what, how, how do you cast him? I mean, look, he is, he is, he is authentic. You know, that is him. Uh -huh. And, you know, there are a lot of politicians who carefully choose their words. And a lot of people used to say that is the sign of phoniness and that is the sign of duplicity and all sorts of things where it looks like they're saying what people want to hear. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, they're hearing authentic and saying, <laughs> whoa, we don't want yeah, yeah. to hear this. Right. And so, you know, it's like, what do people yeah. want? What do they want? Do they want somebody choosing their words carefully, which there's a virtue in that for sure, you know, where you do things politically I'm by sure. the book, you yeah. measure everything, or do you want to hear what somebody really thinks? They're hearing what he really thinks. A lot of people like it and a lot of people right. don't. But either way, it's good for ratings, right? It's gold yeah. for everybody. I mean, look at Saturday Night Live for right. Night Live. I feel like it's revived. It's, it's breaking their ratings records for years right. and years and years. Uh, last serious question. Um, it seems to me in entertainment, there is a litmus test for celebrities that you have to be political to be involved in Hollywood uh, and, and not just political in general, but anti-Trump. Is that true? And do you, do you think that's a smart play from an audience standpoint? Let's say you have to be liberal to get the gig, but is that the right brand? Oh, I think, look, this has nothing to do with whether you like yeah, Trump or yeah. don't like Trump. There is more intolerance in Hollywood. Hmm. It's bullying. It is flat out bullying. And there has never been anything like this. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, listen, people have an app, not only a right, there are a lot of people who hate what Donald Trump is doing. A lot of people. And I'm not stating right. my, my yeah. opinion about my personal opinion, yeah. but I will say that there are people who love what he's doing and just hate it and think he's ruining the country. And if you think he's ruining the country, great. You know what? You go protest and all of that stuff. But there is a feeling in Hollywood, and I can tell you this because we talk to a lot of people and we talk to them mm -hmm. not on camera and not necessarily on the record, but I, look, they are scared to death about saying anything mm -hmm. that is remotely pro-Trump because they get skewered and they, and they feel they're going to get blackballed in town. And I'm telling you. And do you think they would get blackballed? Oh, look at what happened to Kanye West. When, I mean, he didn't. When Kanye West went and saw Trump, yeah. he was skewered. 
skewered by Hollywood. Hurt, you think that hurt his career? Well, I, don't, I is mean, he, is he past I don't, that? Kanye may be past that, but you know, Steve Harvey went to see right. him. Skewered. Martin Luther King III went right. to see him. Skewered. You know, just to see him. Uh, and Kanye said he went to see him because he wanted to try and influence right. him on the Chicago violence. Right. So even then, skewered. So there are a lot of people who, you know, you just, you know, just weep. Right. I don't think I'm saying anything profound. I mean, if you look at, you know, you listen, you listen in Hollywood, you put somebody in a room and they are evil if they say anything that remotely sounds profound in the is city. It, is it an all-time high, you think, in terms of that? I've never seen, I've never seen, see, what I've always seen in Hollywood, there's all, listen, there, there's a liberal bend in Hollywood. Yeah, and there, everybody, been, everybody yeah, knows that. Been, yeah. It's not about the liberal bend. It's about just, you know, if you are in any way remotely supporting Trump, you are the enemy. Hmm. And that is the way it's viewed. You are the enemy. Wow. Uh, I mean, and, and look, I don't think you need me or no, anybody no, else no. to say it. You see what's going on. It's, it's interesting. Can though. you imagine the Academy Awards if somebody got up there and said, you know what? Look, I want to talk about immigration <laughs> and I want to talk about an element of immigration where I think we have to listen to something that Trump says, just an element, not the he wall get, or anything he, like that. You get booed out. Oh, yeah. can you yeah. imagine? No, no, I can't. Can you imagine? I can't, actually. <laughs> um, all right, two. Let's... And again, I'm not saying no, 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 that I, that's right. I, I, I'm I just it's saying. It's just the state of affairs. I'm just saying the state of yeah. affairs is that anybody who says anything remotely pro-Trump in Hollywood, God help them. Do you see TMZ getting more involved in covering politics because of Trump? We've covered politics. I mean, we listen, we've been in Washington, D.C. for a decade. Right. Um, you know, we were involved in the Anthony Weiner story. Yeah, we were right. involved in a lot of stories. Right. We were involved in, you know, the Northern Trust Bank story mm -hmm. where they got this bailout money and they were throwing parties and hiring big singers and right. giving Tiffany jewelry to people. Right. So we've been involved in politics for a long time. Politicians, you know, there is a pop culture slash celebrity interest in that. And, you know, we, we're we not in that box where it's just we have to cover somebody who's a traditional celebrity. We've never done that. We do sports. We do all sorts of things. Well, DC is Hollywood for ugly people, right? I know they say that. <laughs> it's but true, I, Harvey. I, 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 you know what? I think it's actually changed. If you start looking at the landscape, it's actually changed some over the last 10 years. Uh, well, that, that's good because it usually hasn't been that way. You know, I, I, I know the phrase, but I think it's changed some. So uh, our audience actually asked a couple questions they want us to ask you. Um, first of all, in the cup you have on the show. Not going to say. Not going to say? Not going to say. There's a lot of conspiracy theories about that. I know. You know? Not going to say. All right. Um, clearly you work out. What's your routine? How often? What are you doing? What's your, you know, it's, your, I, I have a, it's, it's terrible. I mean, honestly, because well, well, I have to get in here super early. Yeah. I have to be well, at work. When you wake up, give me your time. I wake up at three in the morning. Oh, shit. I know. Because East Coast. Is that why? Well, I mean, I have to be in the office at a quarter to six. And, you know, we start at, we, we, yeah, because partly East Coast getting the website yeah. done, but we have to do three television shows. Right. So there's a lot that goes on. I am. I. I don't. I have no idea. What, for example, today, I have no idea what the weather's like outside. <laughs> I, I, I haven't been to lunch in seven years out of the building. Really? In, in seven years, I've never been to lunch um, outside the building during the work week. Wow. Um, so my day is done at a quarter to six. I am just. Do working. you work out in your office? No. I go to the gym at four in the morning, and then I get in my car at five, and I race over to another gym where I swim. And then I come over here, and then I'm stuck here for the rest of the day. I couldn't do it at night. I mean, I'm exhausted by the time. I are go you, home. are you happy? Is there anything Harvey Levin would do differently? Yeah, you sleep think? more. Right. Honestly, okay. I am sleep deprived. Yeah, but you love what you do. Yeah, but I got to say, Ariana Huffington. I think she does have a point. And Ariana Huffington really believes in this whole sleep theory mm -hmm. that it makes a difference, and I think she's right. I don't know how to do it, but I mean, sleep is a huge. And issue. is the issue there's only one of you? You, 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 you have to be involved in the making of the sausage. Yeah, I mean, this is, a, look, we there, this is a complicated business and it's not just doing a television show or shows and doing the website and everything else. I mean, there's a business to run here and there's ad sales and promo and mm -hmm. affiliate relations and, you know, selling other shows and all sorts of things that happen. And it is a, um, it's a grind. I mean, it really is. It is, mm -hmm. I've worked, I'm working way harder than I have at any point in my life. Like, insanely You mean hard. harder than an ethics law professor? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I work seven days a week and, wow. you know, it's, it, but again, I'm not complaining, but it is, 
it this is not the course that normally that it normally goes i mean the course normally goes is you reach a point and then you start and i don't know i guess yeah and and at a point time runs out so it will happen for you yeah and i'm just wondering when does it you know yeah right well harvey thank you so much for the time oh it's my pleasure for doing this it's absolutely my pleasure honestly thank you very much my pleasure you just heard from Harvey Levin of TMZ in what I thought was fascinating, not just because of the wide range of topics that we covered, but because while Harvey admitted that being a far left liberal is really a litmus test, not just to fit in in Hollywood, but to get work, although Harvey admitted to that, he managed to stay completely apolitical himself throughout the entire interview. I just thought it was interesting that he could navigate that gauntlet. Uh, the other thing is, you know, people say Ryan Seacrest is the busiest guy in Hollywood. I think RV Levin truly is. You know, you heard from Peggy Grandy and her experience with President Reagan. Um, and I hope you enjoyed my take on state of affairs with polls, what happened at today's press conference with Donald Trump, because that's what I want you to watch the, and listen to the Thomas Guide for, is where you can come to get reliable, honest information from a political strategist, both about what happened and what it means and also what to look forward to uh, and what to expect in the coming days. Uh, tune in next week. We've got entertainment and po more political guests. And of course, there's never any shortage of things to talk about in Trump world. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in and have a great weekend. This has been The Thomas Guide with John Thomas. We hope you've enjoyed the ride. Join us Thursdays at 1 on Facebook Live. Tweet John at The Thomas Guide. Find us on iTunes and subscribe. Or you can go to KFI. Keyword, The Thomas Guide.